Welcome to the Oregon College Football Post Game Show with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax, presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light on 1029 and 750 The Game. A lot of big games between these two, but this is just the sixth time in 111 meetings they're both ranked. One of the most important head-to-head -head for sure. Mitchell goes in motion. They hand it off. Straight for a touchdown! C.J. Verdell wins the game for Oregon! you have it any other way the Oregon Ducks defeat the Washington Huskies 30 to 27 in overtime how poetic is it that CJ Verdell wins it in the end the same redshirt freshman running back who coughed up a fumble against Stanford late in that game but the Ducks get redemption in this one. A final of 30-27. to 27. Welcome back to the Oregon College Football Postgame Show on 102.9-750 The Game. Judah Newby and the College Football Hall of Famer Neil Lomax. And you at 503-417-7575. 503-417-7575 as you react to this big Oregon win. The Pac-12 North Division. Officially, Oregon is in the driver's seat for that. They snap the two-game losing streak to their rivals from the north. They still have road games at Wazoo and at Utah. But this team still has big things in store ahead of them this season by virtue of this win over the rival Washington Huskies. If they had lost this game, you'd be able to throw all of that out the window. But as it stands... The season has taken a new shape and has been redefined. Oregon defeats Washington in OT by three. Covers the spread with ease. <laughs> Never a doubt this game was all ducks all the way. Neil Lomax, what a game. Wow. Woo! I'm going to take a deep breath. <laughs> I mean, again, I, I just love college football. That I've been saying that since day one. High school football is the purest form. It is, folks. You guys know, but college football, atmosphere, the fans... Uh, excitement, energy, you, you can't duplicate that in a, in a pro game. You can't pay the fans or pay the bands or pay the cheerleaders to do that and, and to play like this, even though it's kind of a pro game. Keep it tight. But, man, I tell you what, you cannot give good football teams second chances. Oregon did it a couple weeks ago, giving Stanford a, couple, a third chance, maybe a fourth chance in OT. And Washington returned the favor, gave him a second chance. It's almost like a turnover when you miss that field goal. Uh, you got to feel sorry for Peyton Henry. He's there. He had the chance. Give credit to Washington. They played great defense. Significant offense, meaning they did enough to be in the game. Brought it down. Great three-minute drive. Mario Cristobal, there's always a question. Do you ice them? Do you use timeouts? Ice kickers? Don't ice kickers? Right. Well, nice ice. That's a nice I'm going to call ice. this a nice ice. You know what? Credit to Mario Cristobal in this game. Not only does he nail it on the icing, the kicker, Peyton Henry, who ends up pulling it wide, but Oregon goes for it on fourth down at least three times in this game, maybe four when it was all said and done, but at least three times. They convert every single one of them. Fourth down today, three for three for the Oregon Ducks. 
all of them fourth and short, all of them resulting in touchdowns. And you needed every single one of those conversions in this game. So credit Mario Cristobal for go ahead and putting it on his offensive line, Neil. An offensive line that gets banged up in this game with Panay Sewell going out. And Jacob Capra ends up playing right guard for the injured Dallas Warmack. Gets called for a holding on that final drive of overtime. Herbert wipes it out with a pass to Dylan Mitchell to be able to convert on third and 11. And then the winning play after a timeout over right guard over Jacob Capra, and he makes the game-winning block for C.J. Verdell on the game-winning one. If that's not redemption, I don't know what is. That's beautiful. Yeah, I give Throckmorton some credit, too, at right tackle. And, and you speak of uh, you know Capra coming in there for Warmack, but you had Panay Sewell got hurt as well. So banged up uh, offensive line, very physical game. I mean, I'm sitting back, uh, being being the armchair quarterback that I am, you know, questioning play call, pl- questioning some execution on certain play calls, but – Marcus Arroyo and the Oregon Ducks offensively says, we're going to run the football. We respect that second. To me, it was we, we really respect that secondary. And, and we talked about it. Uh, and Brian Murphy, number one, played a heck of a game. A lot of press man folks, meaning they came up to all the receivers, Brennan Schooler, uh, J.J., and obviously Dylan Mitchell caught a bunch of balls too. They played press man with one high and said, come on, Oregon, come get us. We're going to bring six, maybe seven. Put pressure on them. They did. And Todd Black said it earlier, and I said it too. They kept Justin Herbert very uncomfortable in the pocket. I've never really seen him the last 20, 21 games that I've watched this kid play. Uh, that kind of, not really happy feet, but he was very uncomfortable and wasn't seeing the field. It wasn't clean as in the past. And again, yeah, this is not San Jose State. You know, it's not Portland State. This Stanford and this was Washington. Great defensive scheme. But Marcus Arroyo in the offensive Strategy, we're going to run the football, keep running these zones, keep running it, trust Justin Herbert. If he's going to read it, he'll pull it. If not, he's going to keep hand the ball off, hand the ball off, and I'll tell you what, they did. This wasn't like 18 guys anymore. Only three, two rushers carried the ball, C.J. CJ and Travis Dye. C.J. carried it 29 times for 111 yards. And I'll be the first to admit, I said TBJ was going to be, watch TBJ. Well, he had two kickoff returns. Wasn't bad, but he was nowhere to be found in the running game. But give credit where credit is due. Offensive line in the running game for the Ducks. I tell you what, Washington had a lot of chances to win this game, too. They really did. And that last drive had Oregon fans' stomachs tied in a collective knot. Jake Browning played very well in that second half. You know, love or hate the guy, his grit and his accuracy and his determination helps him as a college quarterback play big when his best is needed. But it just wasn't enough in this game. And, Neil, you you keep referring to it as an NFL-style game. And to that point, I mean, it was 10-10 after quarter one, 17-17 after quarter two, 24-24 after quarter three, 24-24 after regulation, thanks to the wide left, thanks to two missed field goals. And then 6-3 in the final. I mean, this was nip and tuck every single quarter. Yeah, meaning in the NFL game, you rely way too much on your kickers. And that's what happens in an NFL game. 85% of an NFL game is won or lost on the last possession. 85%. And usually that's by a kicker. Adam Stack had a chance, put him ahead by three. Early fourth quarter, people kind of forget about it. That pulled that thing left. This was a game that stingy defenses. In the NFL game, meaning great balance of talent across the board. Oregon and Washington 
matched up really, really well. This, uh, again, a fun game to watch. And give credit to the coaching staff again. They had them. We talked about the fourth quarter. Who would make the big plays in the fourth quarter? They hung in there. Both teams rushed the ball very well. And you got to give credit to Washington. You know, Judy, you know what I'm talking. Miles Gaskins is out. Savon Ahmed goes out. Sean McGrew Sean goes out. Sean McGrew and, and you Kamari, got Kamari Pleasant. Pleasant comes in. He carries four times. So there's like there's five five running backs when you include Jake Browning that carried the ball and they rushed for almost 200 yards. And Pleasant and McGrew, you're talking about the third and fourth stringers in high leverage moments in this game. I mean, you think of the little swing route down the left sideline. That was Oregon had Austin Fayalu and Justin Hollins out there covering it up. McGrew makes the catch. Hollins misses the tackle. McGrew takes off down the sideline to set up a, a big scoring drive for the Washington Huskies. I mean, their third string and fourth string backs were getting big time carries in this game. And for Oregon, conversely, it was Travis Dye, a true freshman that was making big runs in the second half of this football game. He finishes 15 carries for 67 yards, does not score a touchdown, but he ran effectively in relief of CJ Verdell in this game. But man, how eerie did this game feel in comparison to the Stanford game? I had the same exact feelings watching it. I thought Oregon was going to lose in the overtime. I really did. Even hmm. though Washington missed the field goal, I thought Washington first first play of Washington's overtime drive, 12-yard run inside the 10-yard yep. line. Just like that. Just like that. But credit Oregon's defense, Neil. I mean, to me, that might be the play of the game. You have first and goal from the six-yard line if you're Washington. You get a little run. You get a little run. You set up third and goal from the three. And, you know, they fail to convert. Oregon's defense stood up when it had to most. How about the fourth and one? And the Jake Browning misses the snap, or it's a bad snap. Yeah. Finally, yeah. it's it's a duck opponent with a bad snap for once. I mean, those were two little cathartic yeah. experiences for Duck fans watching that. The defense for Oregon really stood up when they absolutely had to in this game. Again, just great matchup of similar talents on both sides of the ball. I think both of these teams went in thinking we're we got to run the ball. Don't don't put the game so much in the hands of I think the best players are the quarterbacks. And Justin Herbert wasn't the guy that, hey, let's have this guy throw 40 times, 45 times. That was not their game plan going in, folks. They felt, keep it close as well. We'll keep containing them. We'll figure out a way to make a big play at the end. And, and, I, and I, I, I'm i the first guy to admit, too, hey, I had Oregon winning by 17. I thought we'd see a huge amount of chunk plays and three or four explosion plays. They're like none. I mean, there's, there's nothing. Washington had the big one, had a 55-yarder for a touchdown to Jones. That was it, really. So, Again, credit to the defensive coordinators. We talked about that early on. These guys know how to get these kids ready to play. Uh, By week, don't know if that helped or hurt, but again, that wasn't a turnover, but big play, fourth and one, and you're right. They went rally, rally, which means hustle to the line. Everybody has that play, fourth and one or third and one. You go rally, rally, rally. You get everybody foot to foot. You do a quarterback sneak. The communication, I I think this could be an Otson factor. The communication wasn't there. The snap was either early or late. Jake did not get the snap, fumbled it. Huge. Were you, were you surprised that Oregon uh, deferred or went on defense to start the overtime? It's the exact same scenario that they had with Stanford. No, 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 no. That's, that's 99.9%. That's what you want to do because you want to find out what they're going to do. You have to do that. They did that in the opening game, um, opening part of the game. You, you want to set that tone. Oregon's won the coin toss three or four times here and has always deferred to the start of the game. But in overtime, oh, no, no, you always want to go on defense first. Yeah, I, I just only bring that up because when they did it against Stanford, took Stanford three plays, go down the field, score a touchdown. All of a sudden, your offense gets nervous. All of a sudden, your offense feels the pressure. 
And then in this game, they go on defense first, but ultimately it works out for them in the end because I tell you what, first and goal from the six-yard line, I thought Washington was going to put it in the paint. And I was getting nervous watching that game for Oregon. Well, yeah, you get nervous because also Oregon's driving, but then the holding call on Capra, that that makes it now third and 11. So that's third and 11. So that's why you're getting nervous about it. It's also third and 11. But who comes through? Dylan Mitchell makes a great little Q route, we call it. He goes about 10 yards, shakes to the outside, comes back on a little shake dig. He goes a little crossing route at 10 yards. Herbert puts it right on him, gets 17 yards. How big is that? Against I mean, Miles Bryant, who's their nickel back. He's their best corner. That Miles number Bryant. one, yeah. And Mitchell just beat him. I mean, a beautiful shake to get that first down. Dylan Mitchell, what a big play receiver he is. And Jordan talked about it. You know, he asked me the question about how they're going to double team or, or cover Dylan Mitchell. And I said, oh, don't worry about that. He, he Justin Reed's, if he's covered, I'm going number two and number three. Well, Jalen Red and, and Ryan Bay were the second leading receivers with three catches each. I mean, they basically shut down Brennan Score, shut down J.J., really shut down all tight ends. Kano Dillon only caught the ball once, and Jacob Breeland only had two catches. I want to give credit to the Washington Huskies defensively for really controlling the passing game and making them stay that game plan of, we've got to run the football and do it effectively, get that clock down. So, uh, hey, I want to – Nick Aliotti. <laughs> How was that shootout, by the way? Little, <laughs> Nick goes out a little 44 to 50, 44 to 35. One quite oh, a shootout, man. but a great game. But you guys who called it by Oregon by three or five, six points, you guys Ooh. got it. Great job. Brian Perkins uh, predicted a 30-27 win, and he got it. Bam. Right on the money. I had 30-24. You know, but, uh, you know, I'll take this, too. This is a pretty good one. You did. 503-417-7575 if you're a Duck fan out there watching the game. And uh, we'll hear from Mario Cristobal later on as well. We'll reach out to James Carpio of the Oregonian live from Monson Stadium, too, for the reaction from this one. I mean, the Oregon Ducks had to have it in order to keep any sense of postseason aspirations alive, whether it be a Pac-12 title, whether it be a North title for starters, whether it be a possible New Year's, New Year's Six. And you never know. I mean, you're looking at the action in front of them in the top 25, and teams are going down all mm-hmm. over the place. Penn State's going down. Georgia going down. You know, I mean, so many of these teams are being upset. Auburn. Tennessee, Auburn. Tennessee beats Auburn. Thanks for playing. In, in Auburn. Wow. How that how that turned out. And, that, and that's actually bad for the Pac-12. It Washington, is. Because yeah. Washington loses to Auburn, and then Auburn loses to Tennessee now, which was unranked opponent, even though it's the SEC, but still it's Tennessee. But good for Oregon. They had to do what they do at the home. And, uh, again, field goal kickers, man. Unbelievable. <laughs> You gotta love him. You gotta hate him. You, you played with uh, Al Del Greco, Al Del Greco. Right? Yeah, yeah. Man, that guy well, played for like thirty years. I felt like he he was with the Packers. We brought him in. I, we probably in the ten years that I played, I think we had six kickers, six different kickers in ten years. Sounds about right. That's yeah, that's, that's, about right. that's conservative. You, know, you, you missed miss two or three era. in a row. Here, here's your pink slip. <laughs> here's your plane ride home. Get out of here. Love good, good to have you here. You were probably thinking, man, I could get out there and kick some field goals. No, man, those guys, those soccer style guys, got. Got that different kind of skill. Do you think that uh, that Peyton for Washington was going to make that thirty-seven yarder? I did, I did. I mean, he was. They were very calm. Great protection. Uh, they did. They had great protection. It wasn't like a fifty-two yarder that our boy Peterson made for the Portland State Vikings. <laughs> By the way, Vikings are ripping Northern Colorado guys. I know you're all on pins and needles about that one. Lay the points right there. They, yeah, they're they're kicking their butt over there. It's good to see. Good to see. <laughs> get two wins in a row. But now it. That's the NFL so much. I hate to see these young 21, 20-year-old 20 kids, the pressure's on them. But, hey, 
What an exciting football game. Got to love college football. All right, we'll go to break here. We'll come back. 503-417-7575. Get your reaction from this football game or get back on top in the rivalry with the Washington Huskies. 30-27 to the final. They're going crazy at Autzen Stadium. They're going crazy. And we enjoyed it every step of the way. We'll talk to James Kripia of the Oregonian coming up in a few minutes as well. This is the Oregon College Football Postgame Show on 102.9-750 The Game. A lot of big games between these two, but this is just the sixth time in 111 meetings they're both ranked. One of the most important head-to-head for sure. Mitchell goes in motion. They hand it off. Well, there you go. The Oregon Ducks somehow get a win in overtime, 30-27, to 27, the final. Welcome back to the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax, and you at 503-417-7575 and taking your tweets at 1029, the game as well. Boy, what a game. What a game. We're still, uh, it's going to take a, a little bit to come down from the high of that emotional win for the Ducks, especially after the loss to Stanford a couple weeks back in the game that took a very similar shape and form, Neil. I mean, this is Oregon had to have this football game and they got it. Yeah, and they were they were underdogs. So there, there we go. I'm on. And they were interesting underdogs, you know, again at home. Right. Uh third time in three weeks playing ranked teams. Yeah, first time ever that's happened for Oregon. And they they came through. And great, great play scheme uh for that touchdown, uh, to win it in overtime. You send Dylan Mitchell in motion, and that's gonna no question get attention. Of course, Murphy was on him, mm-hmm. but also a wrap, the free safety, number seven, had to move over and adjust. Linebacker, or Curtin, he had to move over a little bit. He had two down blocks by Throckmorton and Capra, and you run, he called it a zone read cap. Mm-hmm. It means basically like a trap. But if if they do not, if the linebackers don't move with the running back, Justin Herbert keeps that ball. Right. That's what the zone read means. Yeah. That's why he's reading that defensive end. So, Again, great scheme by Marcus Arroyo having Dylan Mitchell go in motion to make sure two defenders get out of position. Let's go live to Odson right now where James Crepia of the Oregonian is out there with us. James, I know your time is brief. What a ball game. What are your thoughts? Well, I think really, first off, I picked Oregon to win. A lot of people did. did they thought it was going to be close. Didn't foresee overtime, though. That's kind of hard to predict. But as you guys were just alluding to, I mean, that, that third and 11, when it, when the holding call comes in there in overtime and you're thinking third and 11, this is going to be a long field goal to have to send this to double OT, and they somehow get Dylan Mitchell open again. And frankly, how the Washington secondary, who I thought actually had a pretty decent game overall, but how Oregon consistently got Dylan Mitchell open throughout the entire game, but especially on that third and 11 call in overtime, absolutely enormous. When uh, Washington was lining up the 37-yard field goal at the end, what were you thinking? Well, I was thinking, uh, look, it's a, it's a long kick for a kicker who made his season long earlier in the day. Obviously, there were three shots at that kick alone in that he misses the first one, they call a uh, timeout. He makes the second one, they call a timeout. And then when it finally came down to it, misses. But I take nothing for granted with college kickers and 37 yards on the road, game ender. There's a lot of pressure there. Uh, no matter what they call timeout, it's once, twice, three times, or not at all, there's just a lot of pressure on a kicker in that spot. So I can't blame Peyton Henry necessarily for coming up in that spot. Washington could have just as easily scored a touchdown and ended it. But, all right, you go and play for overtime. Let's remember, he also made the field goal to get Washington on the board in overtime where they get inside goal to go in a hurry. And the Oregon defense comes up big and forces that field goal. So 
at the end of regulation, obviously you're thinking it's not, <laughs> it's not the spot that Oregon wants to be in for sure. But that said, I take nothing for granted with college kickers. Well, not just, hey, hey, James, Neil Lomax here, not just college kickers. How about the pro kickers? There was some all-pro guy from Green Bay Packers missing five. So no let's, let's just don't talk about And, no and you, talk, you talked about earlier with me, how, how do you stop Aaron Fuller? You know, I talked about the pass rush. Aaron Fuller, number one, who's Aaron Fuller, number one? It's Moral Jones. But number two, Miles Gaskin's out. Salvan Ahmed's out. Sean McGrew is huge. And then Kamari Pleasant. How about the running backs? For the Huskies, I was going to absolutely. Yeah, right. I mean, look, credit credit where it's due. Washington comes in, and you knew the Gaskin was not 100. percent He showed it. He had to leave the game again. And I thought Oregon did a decent job. No, not great against him. Uh, obviously, Ahmed did quite well. But then you have guys who, quite literally, none of us are really all that aware of. And how could you be? And McGrew comes up big, and Pleasant comes up big. And you're thinking there in the fourth quarter, really, is Oregon about to lose this game because you got guys who aren't even listed you know, on the two deep are about to win this game for Washington. But, again, the Oregon defense came through when it mattered most at the very, very end there. But, yeah, the credit to the Washington running game. They are tough to stop when Gaskin is healthy. Clearly he's not, but they're still very deep at that position. And, and we, you talked about Aaron Four. Here's the guy that impressed me, not just with his catching, but some huge blocks. Sample. Drew Sample, the big yeah. tight end. <laughs> Tell us about him. Look, ultimately, if the game plan is you're not going to let the best guy beat you, which is a pretty good game plan, I would say. <laughs> a lot of teams have tried to replicate that in the weeks ahead, I'm sure. Uh, you, you, that means somebody else is going to have to. And Washington found the guys that they felt like they could turn to. And, look, again, credit to Ty Jones. I saw him again in the season opener against Auburn. He did very well. Drew Sample had some plays in that game as well. But this one, if they're going to take Aaron Fuller away, you're going to leave some things more open, and that's, that's the price you're going to have to pay. But in the end, you take it. But again, absolutely, credit to that young man. I got to go, guys. Chris Paul's coming in here. There it is. We'll hear from that coach here shortly. That's All right. James Crevy of the Oregonian. Thank you, James. And uh, he's catching the press conference here, and we'll have that for you here on the Game in Moments as well. Great stuff from James Crevy right there before the uh, the post game press conference from Mario Cristobal. Yeah, and he's right on about they 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 tagged uh, four a bunch with a press man with a with a safety on top. Ty Jones, number twenty, came open a lot, mm-hmm. but. Give, Jake Browning extended some plays, like what you see in, in Justin Herbert would do that a lot. Again, something broke down, he goes left, he goes right. Yeah. That's the extended place. We're, we're, we're so used to seeing an Aaron Rodgers do that in the NFL. It does it so well. Best best I've ever seen in a long, long time. With Russell like, Wilson being a close second. Yeah, but Russell Wilson, <laughs> that's that's the running game, though. Okay, that's Seattle's running game. Is hey, Can you answer. go ahead and extend the play? <laughs> but Aaron Rodgers is passing play. So... Jake Browning did that three or four times right. and made some big plays and some great throws to Drew Sample. And then the big one, Ty Jones, on that deep post route, the eight, deep eight, we call it. And it was big. That, yeah. was, that was the biggest explosion play, quite honestly, in the game. It really was. 55-yarder. Didn't see many explosion plays from Morgan in this one, in the sense any 30-plus yard plays. No. I mean, I don't know if there was one in the game. I mean, honestly, Herbert found Mitchell on a bunch of big plays. And, and, and Nick Galliotti. You know, talked about that. I'll just go back. I put some notes down here, and I question. Oh, don't worry. Oregon's going to find a way to get a lot of chunks and some big explosion plays. And Coach Alio said, "Nope, Washington does not give up those explosion plays. They just won't do it." I'm like, oh yeah, they haven't played Oregon yet. Well, he was right. I was wrong, and uh, it contained him really well. And but Marcus Arroyo again. It's hard. I- I've been there as a coach and a player to stick to your game plan. To understand, you you want to make adjustments. You want to do a change because, God, it's not quite working, not quite. You start panicking. They did not. 
and they kept getting the five yards, six yards, seven yarders, and the biggest play right there, six yards, right. thinking you're going to pass it. They go zone recap right up the A-gap. What did you think of Washington's play calling in the overtime? First and goal from the six. They end up doing a, a couple of runs, and they get stuffed inside. The, the second down run was going wildcat, and they end up going over left side and get stopped. But then third and goal when they needed to have it. Where is this ball? Third and goal from the three, and they go the fade to Ty Jones. And we've been talking about Ty Jones. Mm-hmm. Six foot four, big physical guy. Yeah. Had the big play to beat Thomas Graham Jr. at the goal line. Obviously the 50-plus yarder. But they go against D'Amador Lenore, one-on-one. On one. Yep. And I tell you what, in the NFL, I feel like fans always lose their minds with goal line fades because optically it doesn't look good when you miss it. So that's what I asked you. We were watching this live. I asked you, do you like a third and goal goal line fade? When you complete it, I love it. <laughs> Absolutely, I love it when you complete it. But you see a lot of teams do that, though. You have your matchup you want. Either it's going to be Drew Sample out there wide, or you're going to have Jones out there wide. Like you said, he's 6'3", 6'3 and a half mm-hmm. on Lenore. So, and this is what they practice, though. They, Again, teams don't just, oh, what do you think we should do and go paper, rock, scissors. They're, they're go, this is what we've done in practice. We've worked on the red area. We worked on inside the five-yard line. We're going to go Husky Cat or the Wildcat, what they want to call it, at Washington. We're going to have a running back run it. If that doesn't work, we're going to our fades or our crossing routes. They work on this. This is part of the game plan. I thought it was a bad ball. It just wasn't catchable. Right. He throws that a little closer. I'm sure he's worried about, I don't want this thing getting picked. Because this thing gets picked, we don't kick a field goal. Right? Yep. So, you know, favorite Jake Brown, he got to be in his shoes. He throws that a little shorter. Lenore makes a hell of a pick or something. Game over. Each side has one turnover in this football game. And for Oregon, it came on Tony Brooks' James kick return. I mean, you know, it, it looked like it was going to be an explosive play. It was going to be a good kick return, and then he coughs it up in the end. And that is such a weird point. I mean, that's where we get the review, a penalty. The Pac-12 refs, again, they may have – I think they missed some calls in this game. Sure, fine, whatever. But even in the calls they got right, it looks bad. It looks sloppy. The kick, the kick return by Tony Brooks James, that ends up being a fumble. Took him 10 minutes to figure that out. Everyone knew what was going on. Chris Peterson knew what was going on. Cristobal knew what was going on. Why <laughs> yeah. did it take them so long? I mean, I, guys, it's just, it doesn't look very professional. No, well, hardly an original thought, but I mean, exactly. Seriously. But they want to get it right. That's why the technology is there the last three or four years. Everything goes to review. Everything goes to review. And any turnover, uh, any touchdown, you know, I think the NFL rules have now kind of dictated how the NCAA wants to do it. Since we have technology, Let's go ahead and review everything. So it really takes, I mean, there's referees are as half robot. They don't really have to make a call. You just wait because the thing's going to get reviewed anyway. And don't don't get me started. And I'm a quarterback, but don't get me started on the targeting. It's it's so hard. I don't know how you can be, be a defensive lineman or defensive linebacker these days, and especially in the NFL. I mean, sack, I mean, roughing the passer. I, I, I'm going, and I'm <laughs> I'm the quarterback guy. I know. And I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it because, man, you're a defender and you're coming full speed ahead. And all of a sudden, split second, the ball carrier, in this case a quarterback, turns within a split second. And you're formed up. You're fit. Your eyes are up. You're looking good. You're going to hit him right in the chest. And he makes the move. And you happen to miss him by three or four inches. And that means you hit his in the chin or his head area. And by rule, folks, by rule, it's targeting. Yeah, I don't I don't like that. I don't like it. Well, if you're Justin Herbert, Jake Browning, you love it. I mean, because they got the 
crap knocked out of him, but uh, you shouldn't either because I don't understand you're taking away the athleticism of that play. you got to understand the intent. To me, it should be intent. Was the intent there to harm them? No. It was a big – so, okay, a 15-yard penalty, but don't kick him out of the game. Right. That's that's the, the thing. Ejection, the ejection. Drayton yeah. Carlberg is, is given all – this is the biggest game of the dude's life. Biggest game of his life. We had a great sack, scoop, and score by Lamar Winston. It's Cal, by the way. Yes, but this is bigger. Okay. And so you, you he don't... makes a nice play in the backfield. He gets kicked out because of an accident? Come on, man. At what point have we totally gone to the other side of this – of what football's supposed to be. 15-yard penalty is not even acceptable, but you it's its palatable because that's the rule. Okay, we'll swallow that and take it. But to eject, to throw a 21-year-old kid out. No, because, yeah. Now, because my thing was the intent. You should not be ejected for an accident. You should be ejected for the intent. I totally agree right, with you. Because they, they didn't. The rule states, I mean, though, you can't hit him. So that's the rule. So 15-yard penalty. Need to change the rule. But do not, do not double penalize a guy. Oh, that, that, that just makes me sick. 503-417-7575. Oregon fan, what are your thoughts on this football game? You guys get the win. It was a nail-biter in the end. Justin Herbert, not his best game, but makes enough plays to win, especially on third down. That guy nails on third down, especially going to Dylan Mitchell. And how about the touchdown to Jalen Red at the end of the half? How big does that look now? That's my play of the game. But credit to the defense being able to stand up on a fourth and one, muffed snap, and first and goal in overtime from the six. Washington has to settle for a field goal. That's what set it all up. And the Ducks are in the win column again. 503-417-7575. We'll hear from Mario Cristobal coming up as well. This is the Oregon College Football Postgame Show on 1029-750 The Game. A holder. Peyton Henry to win it. And he hooked it. No good. One for three, Sean. The one that counted barely outside that right upright. And Mario Cristobal's Oregon Ducks team gets to go to overtime again. And in the overtime, Oregon pulls it out a final score of 30-27. to 27. The Ducks take down the 7th-ranked Washington Huskies and snap the two-game losing streak against their rival, improve their record to 5-1, and 2-1 and one in the Pac-12 and with a bunch of teams in the top 15 losing in front of them as well, a chance to rise up into that maybe 13 or 14, hopefully higher, range by the time Sunday's AP poll comes out. And you never know. You just never know what else could be at stake in this season. Neil Lomax, Judah Newby on the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. You call in as well. Who's your player of the game, Duck fans, at 503-417-7575? You know, almost by default, you could you could say Justin Herbert because this team goes as he goes. But I tell you what, Justin Herbert was not his magnificent self in this game that we normally are accustomed to seeing. And how about guys like John Elway and all those NFL yep. scouts out there watching him play today? I mean, you think he felt a little bit of pressure? And you mentioned the targeting, Neil. I mean, the targeting calls. There was some tough calls both against Oregon and Washington in this football game. The one against Washington mattered more late. I think even though Oregon ultimately had to punt on that drive in the fourth quarter, nobody scored in the fourth quarter. But, you know, Justin Herbert didn't look right after he got hit in the head like that. I mean, I I was frankly surprised that he didn't even have to come off the field because, I mean, you know, what's it like when you get your belt on like that? That's tough. Man, there's some big guys, and they're fast. They're not just slow little pokes walking around. That was a difficult shot, no question about it. And we talked about the intent. 
And again, the rule states you cannot hit above the shoulder pads. And it's so hard when you're going that fast and you're that and you're that big. I, I felt for for Jalen Johnson Jr., you know, number 92 for the Huskies to get thrown out. But you know, Zach Carlberg got thrown out too. Right. And that ejection is an interesting. But you know, again, penalties though you can call holding all the time. And the Ducks were the recipient of four huge holding calls. And those are 10 yards that really hurt you. But the big one was right before the end there. But the third down conversion to Dylan Mitchell was huge. But I, I like to go back to, I think, the series or the play of the game. And you kind of brought it up. And right before the half, it was kind of nick and tuck, nothing really going on, 17-10. And they're still run the ball, run the ball. But with 50 seconds left, uh, they hit Dylan Mitchell on a big play. Brian Murphy knocks it down, but Mitchell makes a good play. They run two more plays with 21 seconds left. And I tell you, people realize that's this was John Elway and all these scouts are looking for. They're, they're, they're looking at Miles Gaskins. They're looking at some other guys as well. But they're watching Justin Herbert. Can you make those NFL-style throw, those throws? He has to go to his left. He plants. He makes a fastball. Now, Jalen Red made a, an amazing catch. Right. I mean, that within an inch. What was that, inch or two from that sideline? Unbelievable. That was one of those wows. That was one of those wows. But, again, that that pass, the accuracy and and the the intensity of that ball coming out of his hand, going to his left for a right-handed quarterback was very impressive. That's one of those things you kind of put a mark down as a scout or John Elway go, okay, seen enough, I'm leaving. He he can make the throws. But that was a huge conversion on that series, dude, because – a field goal would have felt like a loss. It would have. And, you know, 17-13, and 13 points for the Oregon Ducks. They were having 24 a half. So that was a big momentum boost for the Ducks, converting that touchdown. Yeah, we'll try to see how it sounded right here on the uh, TV call uh, here in a moment on ABC. And love seeing your guy, Todd Blackledge, on the call of this game. I He's mean, smooth. He is He's smooth, just smooth. Man. I love him. I He's love really him. good. And, you know, that play – between the play there at the end of the half and then Oregon getting the football first to start the third quarter, they ended up running about 41 of 44 possible plays in this game between the end of the half I mean, and the beginning of the third. That is exactly the way that you want to draw it up if you're an offensive coordinator. How do you feel Marcus Royal called in this game? Because we, we're getting a little squirmish. He loves running between the tackles yeah. almost to the death. I mean, we got a Heisman caliber quarterback, but it didn't really seem like Herbert had a bunch of opportunities to throw. And then when he did throw, Washington's secondary had really good coverage. And Herbert still made some big throws in this game. But I was frankly a little bit surprised at how committed to the run Oregon was in this game. What well, do you think? well, when you're bringing some pressure from the edge, yeah. and that's what folks got to understand here, uh, a, lot, a lot of times they're bringing those corners and bringing safeties from the edge. I saw Taylor Rapp a couple of times. If someone come from the safety position, uh, Ben Burr-Curvin, who makes all kinds of tackles, was coming C-gap, D-gap blitz. So when you're coming from the edge all the time, you're putting pressure on the thrower, and you want to run between tackles because you block down, kick out. I always say this, down-gap backer. Mm. You go down-gap backer with the, with the with the lineman. That's what you watch the guards. They're going to take you to the play, and you're going to bring pressure from the edge. I was really questioning the play calling. I would have kind of panicked a little more. Okay, I'm going to get out of this and start throwing and try to make a big play because that's what we want to do. He stayed consistent. He stayed true, and at the end, it paid off. Well, and especially you mentioned this on the sudden change when Oregon gets the fumble yep. recovery on Browning. What did they do first play? Run. Zone between, read. You know, run the zone read, which is the play they run probably about 30 times a game at least. And you forget that Oregon's ratio of calls, it's 60-40, run pass. 
Washington's play ratio is 60-40 run pass. That's what they want to do going into the game. You know, so you can't lose sight of that. What do they do ultimately in this game? 49 rushes to 32 pass attempts. That that 60-40 split still kind of holds true in this game as well. But Oregon, you know, they run for 3.6 yards per carry. Justin Herbert, yards per attempt, 6.3. Washington secondary came to play in a big way in this game. And that said, Dylan Mitchell... Eight for 119 and a touchdown. When you had to have it, I feel like Mitchell came up big in this game. I mean, you you threw to some big time receivers in your day as well. Roy Green, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. It's such it's gotta be such a good feeling on third down when you have a go to guy like Herbert has in Mitchell. Well, and I think also he has other capable receivers yeah, that but, either either were covered yeah. or their scheme or concept was if they're gonna play man, if they're gonna play man all the time, your first read is Dylan Mitchell. We're going to go to him. And that's what, actually what they did. So his first read is they're playing press man. My number one guy on a dig, on shallows, on port, on China routes, post corners. We got man to man. I'm going to give number 13 a chance. And they sure did. I mean, we're talking about Dale Mitchell, everything, but I'll tell you what. I mean, you got a guy like C.J. Vardell carrying the ball almost 30 times. I mean, 30, to- 20, 30 times. Right. For a buck 11. That, that's the player of the game. He, and with no fumbles. And people kind of brought it up. What happened in the Stanford game? What happened in the Stanford game? What did, what, did Mar- what did Mario Cristobal want to do? He ran the same zone read cap that caused the fumble. And that's what Marcus Orell called down there at the six-yard line. We're going zone read. He's coming downhill. We're going to give him the ball. It's a touchdown. So all your soothsayers, all you experts out there, oh, what are you? hey, he's sticking to a game plan, and they're trusting these players. Right. I, I admire that. Yeah. That's that's. Pretty inspirational. C.J. Verdell was interviewed by Holly Rowe right after his winning touchdown. All the guys coming up telling you they love you, they love you. Tell me about the handoff in overtime. What was the play? It was called a zone replay three cap. Man, coaches told us the whole game. Just keep trusting us. They are our reads. It's going to open up for us, and it did right there. C.J., to win against Washington in your freshman season, your hated rivals, what is this like in this moment for you? Man, I can't even explain. I'm just so excited. I'm excited excited for my guys, my coaches. We came out. We had a good week of practice, had a good game plan. Washington's a good team. I got to take my hat off to them. Well, we came out here and executed, and that's why we won the game. The last time you had overtime was against Stanford. You wanted to redeem yourself. How were you thinking about that moment now trying to win this game? Man, you know, I kind of put that to the past. Put that in my past, but you know it's always gonna be there. Uh, uh, they gave me the ball right here. They, uh, the coaches put their trust in me. I just had to go out there and execute. What did it mean that your coaches and your teammates trusted you in this moment? Man, it means everything. It means the world to me. I couldn't be, I couldn't be happier with these guys. I'm just so excited for them. So excited for our coaches. So excited for this fan base. It's a good win for us. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I feel so good for C.J. Verdell to get. The MVP of this game, basically. 29 for 111 and two touchdowns, including the game winner. For this redshirt freshman to atone for the Stanford game, cannot feel any better than you do for C.J. Verdell. And that Austin crowd, Neil, that Austin crowd, that really seemed like it was a factor in this game. The communication, that was an issue for Washington early. Their penalties started flowing in. How about the false starts? Yep. Right? That, that ended up having a factor as well. And... To win on your home field against your rival in this manner, redemption from two weeks ago, this is a massive win. You cannot understate the gravity of this win for Oregon football. And then in the back of my head, I'm still thinking, next week at Wazoo, <laughs> that's going to be tough. Yeah, don't go there yet. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's keep excited yeah. about this victory and, and the intensity of every snap. 
That, that was the, really the excitement and the cool thing for me to watch these kind of games. Sometimes it's a 17-point lead or a 14-point lead to get back. This was nip and tuck the whole way. Every snap was important. Every series was important. And, and let's, let's make no mistake about it. Let's give, again, the props to these 18, 19, 20-year-old young men who are playing very, very great, exciting football. Sure. I mean, Washington, again, let's, Washington ranks 13th in the country in total defense. I mean, they're only allowing 300 yards. Well, game. And, and they so came to play. Yeah. So they everybody's like, well. oh, wow, don't be surprised. You know, Oregon is, and Washington again, is eighth in the country, converting on third downs defensively. They're only allowing like 48%. And offensively, though, they convert over 55%. And you talked about it. We talked, and you get Jake Browning third, three to six. Look what he did today. I mean, it's pretty impressive. They convert a lot of them, one fourth down. But then on this side of the ball, Oregon went for what? How many fourth downs? Three? Three for three on three fourth three. downs, and all of them resulted in touchdowns. Those those, those the drives, continued drives, the continued drives resulted in touchdowns. That's why I credit Mario Cristobal for sticking with his offensive line in the critical moments. He stuck with his guys. He loves those guys. He loves those guys, and they came well, through he's in a one major of them. way. He's, he's one of them. He's one of them, exactly. And Marable, his buddy... You know, the other <laughs> offensive line coach, what do you, what's he weigh? About buck sixty? Have you ever He's seen? He's like a long-distance runner. I mean, no, those guys are in great shape, man. They're, they're not missing too many spin classes. No, they're I, not. I tell you, those guys are do in you shape. Do you Of course, I'm, you I'm a cycle. I'm a cycle guy. Yeah? Yeah. A little bit? Yeah. Don't segue to me. Okay, don't, don't, <laughs> don't go back to me. That's not. It's about them. They're excited. I love offensive linemen guys. They get that excited, and they feel. They know what's going on between the tackles. I, I can't, I'm so it. impressed with the depth. Like Capra. The big holding call, and then to make the game-winning block right after that. I mean, that's not well, he's doing, easy. To do. he's, he's doing his assignment. You know, you're going to give him a lot of credit. It, he did he did assignment well. And, again, the scheme, though. The scheme put the linebacker, Van Dirk Gervin, in that spot to mm-hmm. make sure he moved over about two or three yards to get that angle. That was Arroyo making – that's a scheme thing. That's why the motion was so important, to make sure that zone read would happen. And, again, great game. Unfortunately, it comes down a lot of times on these kickers' feet. Oh. And hey, your buddy Oregon Ducks, he he misses the one in the first right in the first quarter, the fourth quarter there. Adam Stack, you know, and it's that's a big deal. Three three points in this game was a big deal. Yeah. And those again, I'm give credit. Those again, the guys called it great. We're gonna be a close game, win by four or five. You guys got it right. Boy, so many big plays in this game. You said the word intense a moment ago. Every snap felt that intensity. Mm-hmm. You know, it just felt like every single play. Had the potential to change the game one way or the other, and ultimately it goes down to the final snap of the game. How fitting is that? How fitting is that? Well, the Ducks win, 30 to 27, in OT. 503-417-7575. We'll play back Mario Cristobal's press conference coming up and get Neil Lomax's thoughts on it as well. Ducks win, and their hopes for a postseason berth are still alive. This is the Oregon College Football Postgame Show on 1029 and 750 The Game. Well, John Elway witnessed a good game. And he witnessed some good quarterback play from Justin Herbert. John Elway needs a good quarterback. Yeah, how well has he done the last four or five years picking those quarterbacks? Boy, Paxton Lynch not good? Oh. Rock Osweiler from Arizona State? What is that? We, why, why is so, that? He, I, I mean, I he's one of the you. best quarterbacks that ever lived, and he can't evaluate quarterback talent? Hey, there's some great players that aren't the best coaches, and there's some great players that should not be in management. John, but him and Pat Bowen were buddies. I mean, they must have made a deal. Yeah. You know, they had a little deal. Say, hey, I'll keep you here. I'm going to pass it on to you. Love you. Let's go play golf, whatever. But good to see John Elway there. What a, what a, what a 
Great Do you, uh, you play John Elway a couple times? Well, we played the Broncos a couple times. He, yeah. he came in a little. He got there when I was finishing up. I think he played his rookie, his rookie year. We did not play Denver till I think it was the second year we played them. Okay, the second year. Yeah. So he got in though. They played him early. They did. They they put him. They put. They had a lot of pressure to put him in. That whole fiasco with the Colts and the whole deal. You know that was that was crazy. And it, Eli Manning did it all over again when he came into the draft. Yeah. You know, and now how he's. Yeah. <laughs> He's not doing very well either. Let's hear from the Duck head coach, Mario Cristobal. He spoke moments ago and was asked about the fourth down situations in this game. Oregon went three for three on fourth down and turned all those conversions into touchdowns. Mario, the, starting with the fourth and one where you stop them, looked like Jordan might have gotten in there a little bit, and then the last two being able to force them to the field goal, and, and the one misses and then the one goes in. But the defense kind of keeping it out of the end zone those last three when they were in your territory. Yeah, fourth and one, you saw, they, you know, the week before at UCLA, they had gotten under center and just pushed a pile for a quarterback sneak. They actually fumbled the ball on the snap. The ball came out of there and came free, and I think – their quarterback tried to pick it up and still try to squirt that. That's what happened. I saw the ball come out, and then I was wondering, how do you pick it up again? But obviously just watching and, and hearing what the rest of that right there is that uh, they were to get him down. So that's a huge play, a huge momentum uh, you know, swing for us. And then um, at the end there, you know, they popped that run on first down. And to go and hold them and force a field goal was a phenomenal job by the defense, giving us the opportunity to go in there and certainly um, – be aggressive, you know, have a chance to go win the game, attack, and try to score a touchdown, which, uh, you know, we did. Yeah. And those fourth down stops on defense were massive in this game, too, um, which is what Cristobal was being asked about. But it did look like Jordan Scott almost affected the center quarterback exchange on that fourth and one where they went hurry, hurry. What did you call that? What what language do they use? Yeah, we call it rally, rally. Rally, it's rally. It's kind of a, a term everybody uses. You rally, rally. You don't want to get a play in. Uh, receivers, the, the receivers that are off the ball, stay off the ball. Everybody just gets set. The linemen go foot to foot, and you just wedge. You get your quarterback sneak and wedge. The Patriots do it a lot. Right. You watch the pay, fourth and one, third and one. You're here. You're here. Uh, Tom yells something, either a color or number or something. Usually, we just call rally, rally, and do it. And yeah, he, well, he, he affected either communication affected that snap because it wasn't clean. But they would have they would have got stopped anyway. But what I love, the Ducks went for it three times. And as you mentioned, I keep stat of it. I just remember the one in the early third quarter. They convert a fourth and two on that to keep that. How about this, guys, for the Ducks? 15 play, 88 yards, 6 minutes, 25 seconds. C.J. Vardell takes it over from the two. That makes it 24-17. They got the ball with, with like, what, 12-50 in the third quarter, and they don't give it up till 6-20. What, that, That's beautiful. What, when's the last time Oregon's had over a 6-7 minute drive? I, I couldn't remember that, but... At the same time, that goes back to running the football because that runs clock. Absolutely. And Travis Dye started that drive in the backfield and spelled C.J. Verdell and ran the ball well. First play on that drive, a Travis Dye 14-yard run. Next play, Travis Dye 5-yard run. Next play, Travis Dye 3-yard run. They go back to the well on Travis Dye on third and two. Gets the first down. Running for first downs in third and short. Oregon was able to do that in this game. And we talked about it at the top of the pregame show, Neil, how important third down was going to be in this game. Oregon went 50%, 9 for 18. And they saw 18 third downs, but they went 9 for 18. And how about the three that they missed? They turned into fourth down conversions. So if you talk about third and fourth down combined, you go 12 for 19, that allows you to help win this game.
in yeah, the end. Absolutely. This, this, is, this was not one of those games where we're going to get you know, 16, 17 possessions. It just wasn't going to happen or 20 possessions, and we're going to run 75 plays. Uh, but to run, to run the ball that well and to stick to your game plan uh, was very, very important. And it's interesting that I, I look back, you know, three weeks ago, we were given, you know, the Oregon Ducks a little, what's going on with the, with the cupcake schedule, and you're playing these three teams. I don't know how that's affected them, their play against Stanford and making those mistakes. And then you played okay against Cal, but let's face it, Cal's not a high-quality team right now. I mean, UCLA is up on him. I saw the last score. They're up by, wow. what's it now? I, I saw 14. I'm looking What's at the up right, right now. now? Yeah. UCLA at Cal. They're I got Berkeley. UCLA 13 nothing okay, at halftime. Yeah, yeah, so 13 nothing at halftime. So Oof. here's two quality opponents that now it's, hey, it's apples to apples now. And now you're seeing only three or four running backs touch the ball. No disrespect. I haven't seen, where's Darren Felix? Where's Taj Griffin? I mean, Tony Brooks James, Cyrus Habibi Lakio. Uh, Griffin transferred or left oh, the program. Left? Yeah. And, but my point is, you got all the Tabari Hines. Yeah, all these guys touching balls early on. And that, that maybe that was their plan. Who, Who's going to be our top two or three guys? Who's going to be the guys we're going with the rest of the way? And I thought, and I said this earlier, that Tony Brooks James was a big part of that. Now they've kind of regulated him just to special teams. And you're not going to touch the ball back there. And that's the way it is if that's what they feel because they go to practice every day and they see these guys every single day. We don't. It's easy for the fan that only sees these guys on Saturday to question play calls right. or question what players – are playing and what players are not playing. You got to go to practice, watch that hour and a half of what they do to figure out. Those coaches understand, wow, that kid's going to play more. Before we hit the break, let's hear again. Mario Cristobal was asked what it means to beat UW. Mario, I want to know how, how good does it feel to get this win against Washington and why was winning this game, a rivalry game, so important to you and to this organization? How good did that feel? Is that what we're asking? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. You know, it, uh, it's why you do it. To me, honestly, and I've told them all the time, I, I want the moments to me are what are so valuable for these players because it validates everything. It validates all their work. It validates their investment. It validates their trust and belief with everything that they've gone through. And at the same time, it's a difference maker in their lives. Now, you might say, well, what, what's he talking about? I'm saying that. When you, you know, this whole hard work thing and Inky Johnson said, it's undefeated. It really is. And when guys do this and they see this kind of result and they have this unbelievable feeling with their teammates of accomplishment, it's a life changer. It's a game changer. And how you approach your daily life activities, you know, when you're the head of the household in the future, I'm talking about our players. So that's why, that's why to me, it was so important for them and for our program for the future. In terms of a rivalry game, this thing's as intense as it gets. Uh, they're a really good football program. Uh, they came to play and they threw their best shot. And I give credit to them. Uh, and we're always going to be first class and when we win and then when we don't win. Uh, so hats off to them for their effort. But this was for our fan base, for the future of the program, for this season, for the Pac-12 race. It was immense. And uh, it's only week six. It's only week six. So, and last time I checked, we're out of bye week. So, right? Time to make sure they see their families, go to the pancake house in the morning. <laughs> Get here in time for lifting and running and film work, clean it up, hand out players of the game, and move on to Washington State. Oh, it's got to feel so good for Mario Cristobal to win this game, Neil. <laughs> I don't really ever think there's dumb questions. I don't know who that reporter was, but, I, you know, <laughs> how do you feel? What, what, is, it like, is that what the question Is that what you want to ask? How do I feel? How this win feel? Yeah, you know, I mean, come on. Yeah. You feel like crap? No. I mean, I, I, and I get it. He's, he's well, maybe, hey, maybe he's probably an intern. Okay, so I'll give, I'll give him some slack, whoever that reporter was for that question. But first of all, it's those schools 
are they're not organizations. This is not a professional team, an organization. They're, they're a school. It's a program. It's a football team. I love it. Co- Coach Chris Ball talked about though. He loves his players. Right. He will not. He will not change his love for them based on their performance. He's going to love them despite that. That's what I love about this guy. He said the same thing against Stanford. He's saying today. That's consistent leadership. The Mario Cristobal era has officially arrived. Oregon has a win over Washington. And I feel good about the win. And we feel good. What a great (laughs) question. question. What a great question. All right, more of the Oregon College Football Post Game Show coming up next. What are your thoughts on the Big Duck win? What do you think they can do moving forward? How good did it feel to beat the Huskies at 503-417-7575? Well, what a game. 30-27 Oregon wins. Welcome back to the Oregon College Football Post Game Show. Alongside Neil Lomax, I'm Chu Danubi here on 102.9750 The Game. You know, Nick Aliotti joined us in our pregame show and said this was going to be a Huskies win and a shootout. And uh, I tell you what, we didn't end up getting the shootout part of that. And thankfully for Oregon fans, we didn't get the uh, Husky win part of that either. Ducks get this one, stick it out in overtime. I put out on Twitter, at 1029 The Game, who is your player of the game? And uh, Sean Murphy on Twitter joins and says, the entire Oregon defense, they came up big when they needed to every time. Neil, hard to disagree with that. It did seem like the Oregon defense stepped up when they had to in this football game, whether it be the fourth and one and the muff snap that Jordan Scott seemed to have an effect on, or whether it's first and goal in overtime from the six-yard line for Washington. Oregon stepped up when they had to defensively in this game and give themselves a chance to win, and they ultimately did. Yeah, defensively, you can't just pick one person. I mean, Troy Dye made some great tackles. He's got like eight or nine total tackles. No one really came off the edge, put a lot of pressure on uh, Jake Browning. I, I thought that would be a disruptive force. We talked about that early with how do you cover Aaron Fuller? How do you cover, you know, Sample? Right. Well, you cover him by putting pressure. So offensive line uh, for both sides. We've always been praising Oregon's offensive line, but Washington's offensive line, they've been banged up too. You mentioned a couple of guys. who One of them had a back surgery, and we talked about Kirkland getting in there from Jesuit, and the, and the kid from Beaverton High School played very well at t- tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they kept it pretty clean. In a, in a clean game. So, yeah, MVP defensively, I totally agree. Offensively, C.J. Vardell. I mean, you carry the ball that many times, and big ones, too. Converting those fourth downs and two touchdowns, uh, he deserves credit. And he'll give credit to the offensive line. That's what he'll do. And a shout-out to Dylan Mitchell as well, who goes eight catches for 119 yards and a touchdown. And that first touchdown was really nice. I mean, it's a third third down, and I love the play design of this. And you can speak to this a little bit more than I can too, Neil. But I love the play design of this because they have C.J. Verdell in the backfield on a third down early in the game. They motion him out of the backfield, and Taylor Rapp follows him the safety for Washington, which tells me that's man-to-man. And you've got man-to-man pretty much across the board in that scenario. You get Dylan Mitchell in the slot against Miles Bryant. He beats him. He sticks him. Makes the catch and then makes a couple of guys miss to get into the end zone. Dylan Mitchell is a playmaker. I mean, and his stock continues to rise with every game this year. The guy simply produces three straight 100-yard games for him now, including a 200-yard performance that he had against Stanford. This guy is a big play machine. And, and you don't really see that a lot with Oregon receivers because usually three or four of them keep sharing that love right. from the quarterback. You do. You just don't usually see one. And, and Jordan Kent did talk about that, that how, how do you stop this guy? And I said, how you stop him is double cover him, you know, because he's going to read his progression. That's what a good quarterback will do and get off him. But if you're going to keep playing man-to-man, that's 50-50. That, that's a coin toss because you get a guy, you give a quarterback like Justin Herbert two and a half, three seconds to throw the football and you're playing man coverage with one free, most of the time, you're going to hit three out of four of those. 
and that was a that was a cool little game game station too. That little B button, a little move he made. That, that was pretty good. I thought I'd see a lot, but that was the only big chunk play Washington really allowed. Right, they did not uh, allow much in this game, if at all. Evaluate Justin Herbert's performance, if you could, for me. His stat line: eighteen for thirty-two, two hundred and two yards, only six point three yards per attempt, which is very unlike him. Normally, he's around the ten range. Two touchdowns. No interceptions. A couple yeah. close calls, but no interceptions. How do you feel like he played? Yeah, a little conservative. I, I think, again, that was the game plan going into this, was we're going to be a little conservative because they come off the edge hard. They're going to put pressure on us, and they're going to play man. So we don't get proper protection. You won't have time to throw it. So they tried some different styles of keeping Bay in, keeping Jacob Breeland in for protection purposes. But it, Washington's defense, I thought, just did a great job putting pressure on him yeah. and creating some havoc. And using Todd Blacklich's term, kept them very uncomfortable. That's the first time I've seen that all season. And then we talk about the targeting. And I know one goes for both sides. But Carlberg gets ejected for playing hard. Wow. You know, the Washington guy gets ejected for playing hard. And it's an accident in both scenarios. And I just don't like the fact that kids can get ejected for accidents. You can review it and call it targeting and whatever, but to your point, Neil, you brought it up a little bit earlier. At what point does intent play yeah. a role? Yeah, I don't know what the definition of the accident. I mean, <laughs> you're driving your car. It looks okay, maybe it wasn't your fault, but you, you still rear-ended the guy in front of you. Sure. So it's your fault, even though it was an accident. But should you have your car taken My away from you? My point is, defensively, it is your fault if you're going to tackle above the shoulder pads. You go work on these drills. You work on every day. You've been told for months, if not years, the rule has changed. Now, my point is, okay, they broke that rule. It's like holding or a personal foul yeah. or you went off sides. Okay, it's 15 yards. But to really double jeopardy the thing and throw the kid out of the game, inject him, and I think is also the rule is it's half of the next game. Yeah, it's half not the mistaken. next game. Yeah, so Drayton Carlberg will miss the first half against Washington to State. Me, to me, you got to review those and go on intent because you can see that easily on television. Both those guys, the intent was not there. It was such a bang-bang play where both quarterbacks turned within a microsecond, just within a half a second, they turned away, and bam. So there was no intent to go helmet to helmet. It just happened to be the trajectory of that tackle. And you've got to tackle below the shoulder pads in college football. Now, in pro football, you can't even tackle the quarterback. It just gets the rules. Doesn't it? You get knees, ankles, neck, helmet. You tackle the quarterback in the NFL. Oh, 15 yards, personal foul, roughing the passer. God, I'd still be playing. Yeah. Damn it. You could still walk on Damn the field it. They today. Damn it. They give me that. They can't hit me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. We got to get a seven on seven game going or something. A little seven on seven backyard football. What are you doing? With you guys? You guys, in the, you guys here in the studio? What are you doing on Thanksgiving? Oh, my God. I'd, I'd be throwing for 500 within the first three series. It's you knuckleheads. Can I play receiver? Oh, uh, I'll play receiver. You, you can play anything you want. Because yeah. the good news about seven on seven, nobody's rushing. That's right. I love it. Nobody's rushing. Hey, and the local flavor in this game really showed up, too. With We talk about the two offensive linemen for Washington, the left tackle and right guard, Kirkland, but. Elijah Molden. Yeah. Elijah Molden. Dad, I, I brought his name up. You did. He, I did. I said, watch this kid in special teams, right? Watch special teams. He poked that ball out. Forces the strip TBJ on, on TBJ on the kick return, which, you know, you talk about TBJ, too. You thought he might be more involved in this game. Maybe the fact that he fumbled kept him from being involved. You see Bill Belichick benching guys all the time after they fumble, regardless of what they were going to be in the game plan. 
He fumbled the rock. I know he had a big kick return later in the game. I think on the ensuing kick return later, but ultimately he did not see a rush from scrimmage in this game. It's all CJ Verdell and Travis Dye. You you're trusting your redshirt freshman Verdell and your true freshman Dye more than you're trusting a guy that we thought was going to be the senior running back in your in your backfield. I mean that tells you something. Yeah, but come on, he had a 56-yard return. That, 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 he, did, he, he got rushed. he got poked from behind. Yeah. So you always criticize these players. I I, I want to. Give credit to the guy who poked the ball out. That was Elijah Molden. So yeah. don't don't get on TBJ. He he did great. And but what a clean game. I mean, five punts. Yeah. There's two punts for Oregon, three punts for that. That's a now those, those coaches were going for it on fourth down a lot. That's why you didn't see a whole lot of punts. But that's a real clean game with only one turnover and costly fumble one time. What they call that a fumble when Jake Browning actually fumbled the ball, but he didn't lose it. It's fourth down. But a very clean football game, which is fun to watch when the games are that clean. Washington outgains Oregon in this game, 437 to 379. Surprising number there that uh, that Washington outgains it by about 60 yards total. How about time of possession? <laughs> Pretty much dead even. Yeah. 30 minutes, 37 seconds for Washington, 29-23 for Oregon. I mean, these teams are basically as even as you can get. After watching them battle for 60-plus minutes of football, it really seems these teams are they're equals. It's just a matter of who can make the winning plays at the end. And if you're not talking about a left-footed kicker missing from 37, you're talking about Washington winning this football game, and we're doing the same post-game show that we did three weeks ago. So my question is this. Let's just throw out whoever wins from the South. They're, they're, they're kind of like the JV group down there right now. Wow. Because you got Oregon, wow. Washington, Stanford. Let's, let's just kind of – I don't care. You guys just go play your own little games down there. We'll throw you the Holiday Bowl. We'll, get, we'll give you a couple <laughs> bowl games. But the top two teams from the North – should be playing the Pac-12 championship. Let's have a rematch. A rematch of Oregon Washington in the Pac-12 championship. I want to watch that. I can't say I blame you. I mean, the way that this game unfolded, the way that these two teams played, it was truly exceptional. And, uh, you know, I'd I'd pay to watch that football again. Pay? i watch it for free. (laughs) It's good enough to put it on (laughs) pay-per-view. Judah, we don't pay for anything. We're, we're, we're celebrities. Okay, now you're, right. you're now a celebrity on the air, hey, so you don't pay for anything. Hanging out with you, I'm just learning that skill That's set. right, man. You don't pay for anything. Le- learn how to uh, <laughs> just talk your way. You know just en- enough of the right people to be able to get what you need. Yeah, I just Beautiful. dropped Canzano's name. You know, he's yeah. complaining about everything. They go, okay, I don't want to get, oh, oh. get on his backside, so don't want to get on his backside. No. Hey, it's good. I, I, I do think, though, if you talk about the Pac-12, who are you? Who are you? I would say top three teams. Tell me the top three teams right now in the Pac-12. Oregon, Washington, Colorado. I'd either say I'd say depends on tonight. It depends on tonight, but I'd say Colorado so far. Yeah, but then it's Wazoo and USC. So there's a big one, Washington State. I think we'll, Wazoo's a wild we'll, card. Well, yeah. we'll have a lot more to say about that next week. Yeah, we will. All right, we'll go ahead and hit the break here, and then uh, we'll come back with more on the other side. We'll talk about what UCLA is doing in Berkeley too. I mean, that's a disappointing. Cal effort, losing by a couple scores at home to UCLA right now. And what else is going on in the top 25? And your calls as well at 503-417-7575. We'll hear from Dylan Mitchell and his postgame pressure too. Ducks win in overtime. What'd you think at 503-417-7575? It's the Oregon College Football Postgame Show on 1029, 750 The Game. 503-417-7575. 40 your big takeaways after the Oregon 30-27 win in overtime over Washington. Mario Cristobal, I love that question. How did it feel to beat Washington? How did it feel to win that game? And, yet, you know, it's easy to make light of it, but in the end, this is the first signature win for the Mario Cristobal era and hopefully the first of many for 
Duck fans and Duck Nation that this program is back. It's ready to compete at elite levels. And I think the exciting part is we're just getting started. We're just getting started with this Mario Cristobal era. I mean, a win like this, you heard him say it in the postgame presser, it validates the yeah. philosophy, it validates the effort, it validates everything they've done in practice. And Neil, you were talking about that as well. Everything that's done behind the scenes with this program gets validated when you win a football game like that. Yeah, coming off the bye week. You know, there could have been so many things go go south, go the other way. How would you coach? Did we do too much preparation? Do we add anything new? No, here's our game plan. This is what Washington does well. We're going to counteract that, what we do well defensively. And guys just made great plays. I mean, again, I talked about Troy Dye. Uh, to me, you know, he's talked about the whole defense, but that, that guy making 10 total tackles. Uh, Justin Hollins had eight tackles. And they, they were swarming and making sure instead of those eight, nine, ten-yard gains by the three running backs, they're only getting three or four at a time. So that, that was good. I, I, again, I, I just think he understands that player perspective. When you play college ball and you play offensive line, you understand the humility of that position. You do, and he gets it. I love the way to say, hey, our guy's going to do this. They're going to the pancake house. Let's go to the pancake house and come back, watch the film, get better. That's the reality of it. It's still a game. He's still going to break it down. It's a game. And these guys are young, young men. And go see your family. But let's go to the pancake house, have something good to eat, come back, get ready for Washington State. Cristobal was asked about the team's trust and belief after the game. Hey, Coach, you mentioned the tr- trust and belief, but what does it say about the just the overall resolve of this team? You know, the, that loss against Stanford, some teams, that could have derailed some team's season, but what does it just say about the resolve of your team? It, it shows everything you want your football team to be, our football team to be. There's no I, there's no me in this thing. It's everybody, every administrator, every single trainer, every single strength staff, everybody, every analyst or whatnot. To me, it shows that if... You build a good relationship with your players, and you build trust with each other. You could find a way through your toughest moments, and those were dark. I thought it was tough two weeks ago. I think we all know that three weeks ago. That was about as tough as it gets for all of us. And um, all the credit goes to the players, all of it, uh, the staff as well. I, I can't say enough about just how much energy and time they put into not only the X's and O's, but how much they invest in our players and again, the development of so many older guys, younger guys just stepping up. You know, I think uh, it's something that Oregon football and the staff is going to be known for going forward is the way we develop players. A lot of time in player development. And you wonder what Chris Peterson is going to have to say to his team. And we'll, we'll get that audio as well and uh, have it for you here on the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. But between losing to Auburn and losing on the road in Autzen, playoff hopes for Washington – they're out the door now. And I tell you what, I, I honestly thought Washington is better than I thought they were, than I thought that they were going to be in this game. They're better. Defensively, playing all that single high safety, I did not think that they were going to be able to still play on the line of scrimmage as well as they did in this game, and they did. That defensive yeah. line came and played in a big way. I'm sure the Panay Sewell injury factors in, you know, as does taking Throckmorton and right. moving him over to left tackle from the right side, but... You know, Washington is better than I thought they were, and it's unfortunate for them. In this day and age of college football, you can't afford to have any slip-ups if you want to make it into the postseason national picture. Yeah, and you, you, it's just difficult to play that hard of a game for that many minutes, every snap, the intensity, and it comes down to the left foot of Peyton Henry. Boy. And it's a totally different press conference. You know, Holly Rowe is not talking to C.J. Burdell. Holly Rowe is probably talking to Peyton Henry or Jake Browning or Ahmad 
you know, the, the different guys or Chris Peterson. It's a different story. And I think he's going to tell the guys again, what, what a, they fought well. I mean, on the road. And he talked about earlier about they love, they thrive on this environment. And I kind of disagree with that. I and mean, the noise factor, the energy factor is so much against you. But they, they accepted that. He was, he was right. They accepted that. I thought the players played very, very well. Jake Browning managed this football game like a pro. I mean, he really did. So I give him credit for what he did, hung in there, extended some plays, made some big plays without Aaron Fuller really doing anything. And I got to go. I don't know. I don't follow them that much. But you have your linebacker, Ben Burr-Curvin, who's been getting all this credit about tack. He had 19. 19 tackles. 19 tackles. Folks, some of these guys don't get 19. You can start on defense going at 19 tackles in a season. So, man, that guy was everywhere for the Huskies. And it was pretty impressive. Another big game for Dylan Mitchell. He was asked about what it was like after the game. Can you maybe explain just the emotions of the of seeing the, the missed field goal and then obviously Oregon scoring the, the game-winning touchdown and how things just transpired after that? Uh, it was a big roller coaster, man, honestly. Um, we always, you know, try to stay composed and everything like that. Coach brought us up on the sidelines like, look, we've always been waiting, wanting something like this and we've been practicing and playing for a game just like this. So um, we knew what to do and we had to execute it like we did. And um, – Offense showed up, so. Does this win give you renewed faith in Mario Cristobal? 503-417-7575. Because it seemed like a very Mario Cristobal way to win. All the fourth and ones relying on your offensive line to win at the line of scrimmage. The goal-to-go situation from the six, you go to a run over the right side, relying on that O-line, relying on your running game to get you places. He relied on the run game. All day long, even with a guy as talented as Justin Herbert. And it ended up getting them this win. I tell you what, Neil, it's hard to to knock that style of football, to be able to run the ball effectively. I know they averaged under four yards a carry for the game. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, this is probably the best defense they'll face all year. They certainly hope so. Yeah. And you know, they're and they're at home though. You're at home, you had that advantage. It's kind of like that twelfth man advantage to help on defense with the noise. So now you go to Pullman next week, and he said it very well. Hey, this is only week six. We've had all these, I mean, that Stanford game, wow. Now the Washington game, wow. Now you know it's only week six. But you're right. I was expecting, again, I'm the offensive guy, and I'm questioning Marcus Arroyo. Hey, come on. you got to have a trick play. Mm-hmm. you got to have something special. Come on. It's, it's sudden change. Sudden change. Go play action now. Do a double reverse pass. Do a, do a duck special. You know, throw it to the quarterback. Do something. Do that. Do that. And no, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're doing. And we know what we're doing. We're going to convert these fourth downs, and they kept running that lead. They kept running power. They kept running zone read. And they stayed with it, stayed with it. And you can't question a victory. At the end, they came out on top. Dylan Mitchell also caught that big third and 11 in the OT. Dylan, can you take us take us through the third and 11 there in overtime, the, the route you ran there and just to get it to you? And then just it feel like today kind of continued on from the last two where you were able to kind of get in some spots where Justin kept finding you? I was playing um, in the slot. Uh, the nickel was over top of me, and he was trying to wall me off, like kind of last po- couple games since uh, Stanford. Uh, he was trying to wall me off, and I just kind of gave him a move and went behind him. So he turned and thought I went the other way. So I just kind of sat in the hole, and that's how uh, the number one NFL draft pick found me. The number one NFL draft pick <laughs> found me. Do I get do I get commission on that signing bonus? Yeah. Come on, Dylan Mitchell. Yeah. Just give me two percent. <laughs> More of the Oregon College Football Postgame Show coming up next. Your thoughts on this one. 503-417-7575. Peace, Neil Lomax. I'm Chuta Newby. Right here on 102.9 750 The Game.
Welcome to the Oregon College Football Post Game Show with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax, presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light on 1029 and 750 The Game. Holder. Hayden Henry to win it. And he hooked it. No good. Well, he ended up one for three, Sean. The one that counted. Barely outside that right upright. And Mario Cristobal's Oregon Dutch team gets to go to overtime again. Overtime again, and then they made the most of it in the OT. A lot of big games between these two, but this is just the sixth time in 111 meetings they're both ranked. One of the most important head-to-head -head for sure. Mitchell goes in motion. They hand it off. cannot fake that feeling that's what a feeling inside Alton Stadium today for the Oregon overtime win Neil so my question to you is so if Mario Cristobal does not use his timeouts and Peyton Henry makes the kick does any reporter bring that up in the post game press conference to ask him why didn't you use it why didn't you use it you know that it, it's interesting when we look back at things and not give him credit for what he did there that he did use two timeouts, and if he didn't, I know you go back in the past a little bit here, but I, I do that because I go back when you watch film on Sunday, and you go, God, I should have done this, should have done it. Right now, I'm looking at it, I go, classic. That guy, he's doing it. He knows something that we don't know and using because a lot of times you just don't. Let the kicker just kick the first one because the crowd noise, the energy there, the atmosphere, he's nervous, but he made him wait, and the total there was a minute and 40 seconds. From all those timeouts, it was a minute 40 seconds. And I think Todd Block said he was one for two because he kept kicking them, right? Well, and the he, timeouts, is he, that right? He kept... Yeah, he called a timeout on the first attempt and he missed, missed it. But okay. the TV didn't show that for some reason. Right. And then he calls timeout on the second attempt and he hits it right down Broadway. And I tell you what, he looked so relaxed on that second attempt. I was like, man, there's no way. So he's that, so that this. reminds me, like, okay, I'm playing golf. I'm 100 yards out. I got three balls. Three golf balls in my pocket. I'm going to drop one. Ah, eh, it doesn't really count. Ah, oh, I hit in the bunker. Second one, ah, eh, it's in the green. But the third one counts. That third that third wedge counts. And you get a little scared when it, when it really counts. And so I, I give Coach Cristobal a lot of credit for that's, – that's just knowledge. That's game knowledge of I'm going to use that time. And he was two for two, by the way. I mean, Peyton Henry made a 41-yarder. He's made three extra points. So it's not one like he's just shanking the ball everywhere. But, man – well, the, the, you bring up a good point because I love talking about coaches' process. What's the process to your decision-making? Because as the fan and as, honestly, the media member, we are so results-driven that every single coaching decision we critique based on the result. And you can't do that. I don't think that's fair. I think you have to critique the process regardless of the result. And so... You know, ultimately, that's why I sided on Mario Cristobal's side in the Stanford game. 
I say your process should be end the football with the game in your hands. It should be. Rely on the offensive line. Well, guess what? His process from decision-making in the Stanford game didn't change in this Washington game. He did the same thing in overtime. He had the same approach on third and fourth and short. And it worked out for Oregon this time. It didn't work out for him against Stanford. So what, you're going to blame him in the loss against Stanford? You're going to give him the credit for the win over Washington? No, I think both processes were consistent. Both are praiseworthy. Good for him. He insisted with his style of football in both instances. Thankfully for Oregon today, it helped him get the victory. Yeah, and in one instance, he, you know, C.J. Vardell did not get stripped right. when it was fourth down and put that game away for Stanford. Uh, I mean, the fumble against Stanford there at the end of the game with a minute left, which I got to admit, I was one of the guys that said, no, punt the ball. You know, run the ball, punt it, punt the ball. Really, give them 15 seconds, take run, take a knee, right? Take a knee, take a knee. We had, I don't know, seven or eight of us were saying that. And But you're right. He stuck to his guns. He did the exact same thing. You got six yards to go in overtime. Yeah, I'm doing a sprint out pass. I'm looking for it. it's man-to-man coverage, block the edge, get Justin Herbert. Let him make a play. Let him win the game. And what do they do? You talked about it. Process. Boom. I love it. A-gap, zone, read. Capper, they call it. Zone recap, touchdown. And that's validating for Cristobal. He says is how validating it is for his players. That's validating for him. Well, and, and, and the trust. Uh, yeah. He talked about the trust. Now the player's like, I'm trusting this guy. He's going he's gonna to get us where we need to go. And that's what a coach do, does. That's what a true coach does. You take a young man to where he's at right now, and you're taking him and the team to where they need to go. And they are going someplace. And I'm still saying, man, they get through next week, you're winning out. You're winning out. I feel like I've heard you say that before about coaches. Woo, it was, it because was close what? today. Yeah, you know, that's the coach's job. You know, it was, the, it was the job of the coach back in the ancient Roman and Greek times. What does the coach do? Horse-driven coach. Right. It takes you from where you are to where you need to go. It's the same thing what a football coach does in today's game. You need to take your team from where you are to where you need to go. It's the definition of a coach. How about Justin Herbert after the game, what it's like to win? Justin Knowing this rivalry, what's the emotions like seeing how the game ended in a walk-off fashion and breaking the streak of two losses to them the way they, they transpired the last two times? Yeah, um, I've been here for a lot of games, and I think that's probably the, one of the, the best experiences that I've ever been a part of. Um, for us to, to fight back like that and to just not lose focus is, was unreal, and it was great to celebrate with these guys. Hey, you can hear in his voice how much this victory meant to him how much it means to the Oregon fan base. I mean, you start having the conversations of where this win ranks all-time in Oregon history. I mean, it has that kind of a resonance. Unfortunately, in the back of your head, I think you've got to have the thought, man, what could have been? If we could have had this game and the Stanford game, we'd be undefeated right now, be a top-10 football team, have the college football playoff at our sites, have Justin Herbert in the Heisman sites. But as it is, you got to take a win over a rival. Yeah, like yeah. Don't, don't get don't get greedy, my friend. It, it could be zero and two with uh, if Peyton Henry makes that exactly. you know, that thirty two yard or so. Exactly. And I love what Justin Herbert said. He's still he's still a young man. He talks about experience and memories. You know the negative the negative memories will go away. You'll flush those, but these positive memories. That's why so many, you, you'll ask so many professional athletes, including myself, and a lot of guys who played at all the levels from pro college. What's your best What's your best memories? A lot of us will say our high school senior year. I mean, the Friday night lights. And, and Justin, will go, I'm going to go back to the, my senior year or junior year at Oregon beating Washington. It's great memories. 20, 30 years from now, he'll go back. So that's one of the best memories of my life, being with the guys, right? Being with your boys. Because you're not getting paid. Eh, kind of. But they're not. They're not. 
They're not getting paid. It's so much different than the pros. Now, I've been the high school memories I have outshadow any of the good memories I had as a pro because of the, the, the guys you were with, your, your friends. And I'm still friends with a lot of my college guys and my high school guys and really the guys I played in the pros because they come and go. You know, again, the average length of NFL player, 3.2 years. That's why it's that's NFL, not for long. So it, these college experiences, and that's what Mario Cristobal is developing. He talked about we're developing players into, into men, and it's about relationships. I, I love that about the guy. And it's really showing up both on and off the field. And, uh, you, you know, you got to root for that. Justin Herbert as well talked about his connection with Dylan Mitchell in this game. Justin, speaking of speaking of those guys, um, can you talk about the pass to Dylan there on the third and 11 in overtime? And then um, just kind of going to him throughout the entire first half, what you saw from him on the routes? Yeah, that's a, that's a play that we run 20 times a 20 times of practice, so I, I knew that he was going to get open and, and ran a great route, and, and uh, he's a guy that sure just makes plays wherever he's on the field. You hear the laughing at the beginning there. It's because uh, one of the reporters called Justin Herbert Josh Herbert before that question. Or, or you sure didn't ask him, how do you feel? Wasn't that the same guy? Hey, Justin, how do you feel about <laughs> hey, that win? Hey, how, how you feel? Hey, that win feel good? Did that, is that... Hey, talk about, can you talk about how you feel, feel after that win? How do you feel? <laughs> Josh, Josh Herbert. Josh Herbert. What a game for Josh Herbert. Mm. Oh, man. But, Neil, I mean, you hear Justin say it in the, uh, in the cut. They've been practicing that same route in that same situation with Dylan Mitchell over and over and over again, uh, and it yeah. shows up on game day. Maybe not 20 times in every practice. You don't think so? That same, well, it's a read route. And he talked about it. If you, you listen to Dylan Mitchell, he said, I saw a nickel on top. I mean, there's a safety. Safety's got it bracketed inside, taking away any post. So that's why he was, quote, walled. You know, Taylor went outside on him and made sure he walled. He couldn't make the out cut. So that's why also it's a read. If you're going to play bracket, you have a safety on the top, and your your defensive back is on the outside, he's going to make an inside move. Right. That's why he meant, hey, we do this 20 times a game, 20 times at practice. Hey, execution. It's not the play call. It's the execution. And they did it. And they did it. He's Neil Lomax, the College Football Hall of Famer. Shout out Portland State. Big win homecoming today. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. Mm-hmm. Party <laughs> ball. <laughs> One more segment with us coming up, and then Jordan Schultz slides in with the Oregon College Football Wrap-Up Show. Taking you all the way to midnight, baby. Oregon beats Washington right here on 102.9 750 The Game. All right, final segment here. Neil Lomax, Jude Anubi here on 102.9 750 The Game. Call in at 503-417-7575. Where does this win rank for you as a Duck fan? Taking down the rival Huskies, seventh in the country, taking them down in overtime in a game that Oregon very well could have lost. But I tell you what, they made a lot of big plays when they had to. The one that I keep coming back to as well, yes, the second half was amazing. But that touchdown from Justin Herbert to Jalen Red to end the first half sounded like this. Because you can't clock it, it'll be fourth down. You don't get a first down. Herbert running out of time. He throws a bullet. Was he in bounds? No sign yet. Touchdown, at least for the moment, for Jalen Red. Well, we told you this guy can make special throws. We've waited the whole first half to really see one. This is a special throw. Rolling, throwing on the move, and a dime right to the corner of the end zone. Does he maintain control with one foot in? I think so. And the foot's in. Beautiful There's some work. space between those toes and the boundary. 
Tell you what, Neil, that was some special throw, but that was some special catch by Jalen Red to keep one foot in with an inch of space yeah. between his foot and the sideline. And a little bobble. Yeah. So did he control the catch throughout the play? Okay, I won't go there. Uh, but don't you love Sean McDonough? Yeah. You know, he's been around a long, long time. Syracuse grad about 30 years ago has been doing it. His dad, famous uh, journalist and followed sports in the Northeast forever. I, 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 know his, I knew his dad. And but Todd Blackless too, I mean it's kind of cool. It's, that's a, that's the big trivia of that 1980. Speaking of John Elway, you know Todd Blackless, there were six quarterbacks drafted in the first round in 1983 draft. Six, can you name all six? And we'll we'll let, let the fans chew on that one. That's a hard one. Todd Blackless and John Elway were two of them. So, but I, I just love that's the professionalism of that of that that call. And Todd saw what I saw, going to his left. I mean, Justin Herbert, 6'5", six, six, I mean, he's going to his left. Get those shoulders turned. It's classic technique. I love it. That's why I teach my high school kids when we roll left, roll right, you turn your hips, you turn your shoulders. And to throw that kind of ball with the accuracy and the velocity and to have a, quote, is he a running back or a special? You know, Jalen Red make that catch special. As Todd Blocker said, it was special. It was special again. And for John Elway to be in there watching that unfold, I think, you know, NFL executives everywhere have just got to be salivating seeing Justin Herbert make those kind of throws. You only got to see 18 completions from Justin today, but that one may have been the most impressive. Well, well, again, but he's not just seeing number 10. I think he saw number he saw number 13. I mean, oh, Dylan Mitchell. Spe- yeah. And then and then let's let's flip the switch. He's looking at Justin Hollins. He's looking at Jalen Jelks, Jordan Scott. Even though he's only a sophomore, there's there's players defensively for Oregon that we keep forgetting about that have played very well throughout the years, they're on, on NFL rosters. Not just as we get, we get all the sexy guys on offense, but defensively, Ugo Amadi has a chance to play on Sundays. Troy Dye has a chance to play on Sundays. No question. So John, John Elway is making some notes. He's not looking just at quarterbacks. Says he hasn't fared very well in picking quarterbacks. So he, and, and then Washington's there. I mean, I don't know where Miles Gaskin ranks as a pro, but there's some guys on that defense side of the ball. Some corners and safeties. I mean, you saw it today. There's Brian so Murphy. There are some rap. There are some guys that can cover and play. They can cover. I think Oregon secondary did a marvelous job for three quarters in this game. You know, minus just a couple of big plays that Washington had. The swing route to the sideline to the third string running back, uh, and then the deep ball. Well, and Aaron, Aaron Fuller only caught two balls. Right. I mean, and that was a big point of emphasis for us in the pregame show. How was Oregon going to deal with Aaron Fuller? They dealt with him just fine. And to be honest, the six foot four inch Ty Jones, they went for him on third and goal, a fade route to him against yeah. Diamador Lenore. Bad throw by Browning, but you know, you're trying to hit him one on one. He made the big, you know, fifty yard touchdown catch earlier in the game. Yeah, 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 you're gonna have Drew Sample beat you. So Oregon That's goes, fine. Okay, we want yeah, we'll let if Drew Sample beats us, we'll let him have three or four catches. But he didn't. He's not going to be the difference maker because Aaron Fuller, when, when Gaskin went out, that was almost Oko. Okay, what's going to happen now? So, uh, what, a, what a great ball game again. It's, it's always fun doing this show. Yeah. And we we have a great time two hours before dissecting it and discussing all the ins and outs. What's going to happen? And you kind of come back and you first thing I, I thought this thing would be a heist, a little more scoring by Oregon. I was very impressed with Washington's total effort offensively and defensively. They're going to be a good football team and they're going to be in one of the higher bowl games, I think, at the end of the year. And my vote, again, is I don't want anybody from the South playing in the Pac-12 championship. I want to see a rematch right now. Rematch, UW and Oregon in the uh, Pac-12 title game. I like it. 
As we go out to break on our final segment, let's hear C.J. Verdell. Redemption for him after Stanford with the game-winning touchdown today. C.J., a lot of guys after the Stanford loss, C.J., talked about how down you were. How redeeming is it to come back and perform like this, you know, being the, the bell cow of this offense and then scoring the, the game-winning touchdown? Oh, very redeeming, but, you know, the uh, I had I kind of put that Stanford thing, uh, the Stanford fumble behind me, and went back to work. You know, my guys rallied behind me. They told me it's gonna be okay. Uh, we just went to work and uh, we came out here and executed. Good, had a good game plan. We just executed, yeah. Just executed, man. It's all about the execution in I the told end. You. Execution, not the play call. Yeah. <laughs> Although he his eyes probably had to get so big. What he knew. They took a timeout before that play. Can't yeah. forget. They took a timeout. They had the ball snapped out of shotgun on the previous sequence, but had the timeout called. And then they go over right side to Verdell from the six. Puts it in the paint for the win. Congratulations, Oregon Ducks and all those great fans. We'll see you next week, Saturday. Let's see when's kickoff. 4.30 for Ducks and Wazoo. So me and Neil will be on the air at 2.30 next week with the Countdown to Kickoff show. It's been the Oregon College Football Post Game Show. Jordan Schultz is up with a wrap-up show coming up on the game.